This recording begins with a reading of the Gospel of the Day. That will be followed by the homily from Father Paul O'Brien. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. After he had fed the people, Jesus made the disciples get into a boat and proceed him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. After doing so, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When it was evening, he was there alone. Meanwhile, the boat, already a few miles offshore, was being tossed about by the waves, for the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, he came toward them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It is a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. At once, Jesus spoke to them, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter said to him in reply, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. Peter got out of the boat and began to walk on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw how strong the wind was, he became frightened. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and caught Peter and said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? After they got into the boat, the wind died down. Those who were in the boat did him homage, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Last Sunday, we celebrated the Feast of the Transfiguration, and I think you'll remember that that feast is so important in the liturgical tradition of the church that when it falls on a Sunday, it supplants the Sunday of ordinary time that would have normally been celebrated on that Sunday. So last week, the liturgy we normally would have heard for the 18th Sunday in ordinary time was instead celebrated as the Transfiguration. The gospel reading for that 18th Sunday of ordinary time in this A cycle would have been Matthew 14, 13 to 21. That's the account of the miraculous multiplication of loaves and fishes by Jesus. In that account, which I think is familiar to most of you, Jesus' close circle of disciples witnessed the absolutely unprecedented miracle of Jesus' transforming five loaves of bread and two fish into enough food to feed something like 15 or 20,000 people. In that experience, Jesus makes the point of handing the miraculously multiplied bread to the disciples and having them distribute the food to the crowd. So the disciples have seen with their own eyes and they've actually touched with their own hands a miracle that no one else on earth has ever witnessed. Without question, they recognize that this miracle could only occur through the power of God Without question, they recognize that God is working in an astonishing way, an unprecedented way, through Jesus. Today we celebrate the 19th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Our gospel passage picks up immediately after that experience of the miraculous multiplication of the loaves and fish. What you'll find here, and I hope you'll maximize the amount of time you spend reviewing the details of this passage during the upcoming week, is a very realistic account of Jesus' first authentic disciples who are by nature works in progress. I encourage you to keep your eyes open to their strengths and weaknesses. If you reflect on what you read, 
I think you'll find many, many strengths. And I hope that'll be encouraging to you as a hopefully growing, authentic disciple of Jesus today, a hopefully positive work in progress. After he feeds the huge crowds, Jesus makes his disciples get into a boat and precede him to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. After doing that, Jesus remains alone for several hours to pray. The disciples are now a few miles offshore. That's a long distance from safety. Their boat is tossed about by the waves because the wind is against it. Sometime during the fourth watch of the night, between 3 and 6 a.m., Jesus comes toward the disciples walking on the sea. It's easy for you and me, knowing who Jesus is particularly, to see that that's a very powerful manifestation of Jesus as the one who does what in the Old Testament images of God, only God does, walking on water. In real life, for those disciples, they're terrified. It's the depth of the night, their boat is being tossed about, they're far away from safety, and by the way, to remind you, there are no lights. What does that show? The deadliest catch. You know, Andrew, turn on the spots up on the tower. I think that's Jesus. There are no lights 2,000 years ago. When the disciples see Jesus coming toward them, walking on the water, they are terrified. They think they're seeing a ghost. That makes absolute sense, since as far as they know, it's impossible for human beings to walk on water. Of course they think they're seeing a ghost. Of course they're terrified. In the midst of their terror, Jesus speaks to them, take courage, it is I. Here is a cool biblical note. In the original text of that passage, the two Greek words that Matthew uses that are translated into English as we just heard it as it is I in this translation, those two Greek words are ego a me, which are I am. The words used uniquely in the Old Testament to express God's name. This is the Greek translation of the Hebrew. The scripture writer is making a direct point there to his Greek readers, and hopefully you now that you know the nature of these two words. Jesus says, according to Matthew, it is I. The words that uniquely express God's name, do not be afraid. Back to the story. In the account, the disciples recognize that it is really Jesus, or based on what Peter subsequently says, that it may be really Jesus. Peter clearly wants to share the experience Jesus is having. Peter says to Jesus, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Note, Peter is the one person in the boat who chooses to step further into this experience by asking Jesus, if it really is Jesus, to command him to come to him on the water. This is a very great strength of Peter. Jesus replies to Peter, come. It's a simple, straightforward, understandable command. Peter asks for a command from Jesus. He gets a command from Jesus. 
Peter gets out of the boat and he begins to walk on the water toward Jesus. To purposely repeat this, he's listened to Jesus and he does what Jesus commands him to do. This is another big strength of Peter. And as a result, he's walking on water. No one in human history, as far as we know, has ever had the experience of walking on water, and Peter is now having it. The account continues. When Peter sees how strong the wind is, he again becomes frightened. That's entirely understandable. It's a very strong wind. When you're walking on water, even if you're walking on water in the midst of a very strong wind, and you focus on the wind, it turns out that it frightens you. Peter begins to sink into the sea, which means he may drown, which means he will be dead, which is once again terrifying. In that, another strength of Peter emerges. He cries out to Jesus, Lord, save me. Why is that a strength? Because Peter has many other alternatives available. He can give in to his fear. He can give up. He can say, I'm going to go under. Instead, Peter makes an absolutely strong, good choice to refocus on Jesus and ask Jesus for what he needs to be saved by Jesus. That is a very big strength of Peter. Jesus immediately stretches out his hand and he catches Peter. Again, it's easy for you and me to see. In the Old Testament, there are many images of a drowning person being saved by God. In real life, Jesus says to Peter, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Oh, you of little faith. That is in no way an insult or a criticism. It's a description of fact. Jesus actually says many times in the Gospel of Matthews that his disciples are of little faith. It's never, ever a put-down. At this point, despite all Peter has witnessed with and about Jesus, his faith is limited. He doesn't nearly, at this point, fully understand who Jesus is. Peter manifests in this experience many, many spiritual strengths. He does have faith, but it's nowhere near perfect. It's not big. It's little right now. That's where he realistically is right now, for now. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? I believe that's a gift from Jesus to Peter. I think it's a takeaway question that's meant in the long run to come back again and again to Peter to offer him the opportunity for positive, mature reflection on his limitations. What was going on inside of you during this experience that had you for a time detach from my power and begin to sink? What were your limitations? What was going on? What were your wrong choices? Be realistic. Why did you doubt? Don't feel badly about yourself. Be realistic about yourself. Jesus and Peter get into the boat and the wind dies down. Having witnessed all of this, the dramatic storm, Jesus is walking on the water, 
Peter's walking on the water, Jesus is saving Peter, and the wind's dying down when Jesus gets into the boat, the disciples do Jesus' homage, and they say, truly, you are the Son of God. Bing, 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 and wow. This passage says a lot about real people, real life, who are really growing in their faith. These disciples have been with Jesus for a good amount of time at this point. They've all left their families and livelihoods to follow Jesus. They've heard him speak and teach the truth about God, life, and love in ways that they could never have previously imagined. They've witnessed Jesus's miraculous healings of people with every kind of disease. They've seen him drive out demons. They've been previously present, remember, when Jesus miraculously calms the wind and sea that threatened to previously capsize their boat and kill them. That was Matthew chapter 8. The disciples have had direct, extensive exposure to Jesus. And where are they at this point? They are who Jesus says Peter is, people of little faith. The reality for the disciples is that despite what they've witnessed in and through Jesus in the past, what they've witnessed recently in the multiplication of the loaves and fish, and what they witness on the sea, deep, profound, big faith does not develop in a flesh. These are limited people with a lot more experience of Jesus to come they still have limited understanding, and therefore they are of little faith, limited faith. For the many of us who recognize that our faith is limited, that we too, honestly, are of little faith, this is a really comforting passage. If Jesus loves and accepts these disciples of little faith, of course he loves and accepts me and everyone else with all of our limitations of faith. I've highlighted numerous strengths of Peter in this passage. The same goes, I hope you'll see as you reread this this week, for the rest of those disciples. With all those limitations, the disciples make some simple but very important, very positive choices in this passage. They choose to remain with Jesus. They don't jump out of the boat and try to swim away. They choose to watch Jesus, to not turn away because of their fear. They choose to listen to Jesus. The disciples, like Peter, also choose to have their minds open to what's going on and to reflect on it. They're present to Jesus, they're attentive, they're connected, they're thoughtful, and they're reflective. That is a huge deal because at the end of the passage, The disciples do Jesus' homage and say, truly, you are the Son of God. In the end of this experience, with their little faith, these limited disciples do declare the truth that Jesus has been manifesting, which is much easier for you and me to do than it is for them. Jesus is the Son of God. Uh, Another note on this. In chapter 8... The disciples are in a boat on the sea in the midst of a sudden violent storm that's swamping their boat. 
with Jesus, do you remember this? Jesus asleep in the boat. And they wake Jesus and they cry out, Lord, save us, we're perishing. And Jesus asks, why are you terrified, O you of little faith? And Jesus rebukes the wind and the sea, and there's a great calm, something only God can do. Do you recall what the disciples say? What sort of man is this whom even the winds and the sea obey? It's an excellent question, but in chapter 8, they don't have the answer. This time, they say, truly, you are the Son of God. Not what sort of man is this, not just that but actually the answer to that question and the declaration, the realization, truly you are the son of God. They have made a lot of progress. They've come to believe that Jesus truly is the son of God. That's the fundamental core of Christian faith. Significantly because of those original disciples of little faith in the boat who continue to grow in faith and eventually share it with the whole world, we're here today in the midst of today's storms. So this week, I invite you to spend some time each day, please, with Matthew 14, 22 to 33, by yourself or with others, if you like. Open your Bible or print out this passage. Anyone can grasp all the details of this passage. Spend time with those details and think about them. I presume that you're experiencing some or many storms these days. This is the nature of life. If we're participating in this liturgy, I also believe or I hope that we are disciples of Jesus with strengths and limitations. So as you go through it day by day, how do you relate to the details of what you see happening in this passage? How does it relate directly to your life in the midst of today's storms? How do you relate to the weaknesses and the strengths of those first disciples? There's nothing to fear here. Just be realistic. Insight is likely to come from the ways in which you can relate to them. And at the end of each reflection, and at, ideally at the end of each day, Ask yourself a question and answer it honestly. Who is Jesus? What do you say? You have been listening to Father Paul O'Brien, pastor of St. Patrick Parish in Lawrence, Massachusetts. For more information about the parish and to get involved, please go to stpatrickparish.com or follow us on social media. Thank you for listening.